Good morning, Walkman. How are we all doing this morning? Uh, you don't sound too good. You don't sound too lively. You don't sound too alive. How are we doing this morning? It's, it's good to see all of you this morning. And we appreciate your uh, coming this morning. God bless you. And those of us watching from all over the world, we just want to appreciate God for you. Uh, if this is your first time of joining us, we want to uh, welcome you with a Walkman welcome. And we hope this is not going to be your last time. God bless you. Before I start preaching this morning, I start teaching this morning, I, um, uh, there are certain things that are happening in our communities and in our society this morning, and I just want us to just appreciate that, not just you know, breeze over it and look like we're not uh, a community of people that don't care about you know, what is going on in our environment. So number one thing I want us to just appreciate this morning is the fact that there was a tornado last week and there are people who were completely devastated. So, and I just will pray for a minute and just recognize and just ask God to uh, help in that area. And the other thing also I want us to uh, take knowledge of or take notice of also is what is going on in our society in terms of, you know, the attacks on the Asians and everything that's going on. We need to really acknowledge that because we are a church that wants to be relevant to our society and our, and our community. We don't want to be insensitive to the things that are going on around us. So, this morning, if you just join me for a minute, let's just pray. Uh, for God's guidance, wisdom, and counsel concerning all these things, that those people who have been devastated by the tornado this morning, that God will be able to reach them and console them, whatever it is that they need, to bring them back to that place of peace, that God will make that available for them. And for all those people that have been attacked or have been under attack and all of that, that God will help us with this research and consolation in our, in our nation so that everyone will find or feel a sense of belonging. In the name of Jesus. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for the United States of America. Thank you for what is going on. And thank you because you have put us here as lights in a dark and perverse generation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just stand in authority of your word of God, uh, of the word of God, and in position where you have placed us this morning. And we just declare, oh God, that your peace and your uh, reconciliation will find everyone in this country in the name of Jesus. Amen. That we will learn to live with one another and learn to be able to respect one another and see ourselves as one, not as enemy, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. And for every Asian that has been devastated, those that have been shot, killed, those that have been attacked in any way, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your comfort and healing, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, because you are the one, the Bible declares that is there no balm in Gilead? This morning we declare there's a balm in Gilead, and that balm is the balm of Jesus Christ, which is the balm of healing. We give you praise and we thank you. And for those who have been affected by uh, the natural disasters that happened last week, we thank you, O oh God, because you helped them to find peace and comfort. Even in the midst of all the confusion and all uh, the vicissitudes of things that are going on with them. We bless you and we give you praise. We thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again, once again this morning. And we are still uh, dealing with our topic, a case for grace groups. And this morning I'll be looking at the topic under that, right? The subtopic, let me not say the topic. The subtopic, uh, living life together. Living life together. 
Uh, let's open to Ephesians. Sorry, Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4.8. 4.8. Ecclesiastes 4.8. Sorry, can you start from 7 for me? Start from 7. I think 7 will be much more. 7 will help me to be. All right. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. All right. Uh, number 8. There is one alone. Without companion, I needed to take note of this. There's one alone without companion. Now, for emphasis, for the purpose of emphasis, I'll show you how alone this guy is. He now went ahead and said, he has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to his labors nor is his eyes satisfied with riches. But he never asked, for whom do I toll and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. I, 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 this morning I'm so uh, ramped up because when you read this scripture and you look at what this scripture is saying, it is so loaded that it's difficult to unpack in and of itself, all right? Now, it says there is this man that is alone. He's alone. But guess what? The guy is killing it in every other area of his life. He's doing well financially. Uh, maybe, maybe let's just not limit, it, let's not limit it to financial only for the purposes of our conversation this morning and where we are, all right? You are killing it professionally. You are killing it financially. I mean, in terms of, you know, uh, whatever it is that you're doing in the world, you are so good at it. You are great at what you are doing. Everything is working well. But what the Bible is telling us is that if you are rich financially and you are poor relationally, you have a big problem. Thank you for that support. <laughs> So he said, there is a man, he is alone. In other words, he's not just without his family, but he has no friends, he has no companion. He's doing everything well. However, in the area of relationship, he is very, very, very poor. All right, let's go to nine. Can you give me nine? Look at what he said. Look at the contrast. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him, oh my God, can you, I, I want you to just take note of that. When the Bible says woe to you, it really means there's danger ahead. When the Bible says woe to you, it means that you are in a hopeless situation. But woe to him who is alone. Look at that word alone, again, alone. When he falls, for he has no one to help him up. 11. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord 
cannot be easily broken. Before I go forward, let me just, let me just uh, tell you something about this. Now, sometimes I want to tell you this. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much you plan, how good you are, how rich you are, how great you are. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't matter how much things are going on for you. I'm telling you that there are certain times in life that th life can be unsure and unpredictable. No matter how prepared you are, sometimes life will throw you a curve that makes life unsure and unpredictable and even sometimes uncertain. That is what number 12 is addressing. That in those uncertain times, in those times when life are unpredictable, in those times when things are not sure, if you are alone, if you happen to be alone, woe is you. Because God did not, and before I go through that, I, I know some of us are saying this morning, because, you know, uh, we're in church, somebody's asking, why do I need people? Why do I need companions? Why do I need a company? Why do I need uh, interactions? Because everything is going good for me, right? I can do all things by myself. In fact, you start quoting scriptures. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. <laughs> Am I correct? Sometimes we quote that scripture to back up this side of us. But we don't know that the Bible has many faces to it, right? There are situations and circumstances that, yes, you can be alone and, it, and it's good. But for the most part, right, for the most part, when you are living life, if you live life alone, you are in trouble. Now, before we go further, let me go to my famous board and let me just give you an example of, of, of things. Now, relationships especially in a church like this or in a family, whatever kind of relationship there is, all right? We have three ways by which this relationship can manifest. All right? Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. Now, I want you to take, I want you to take note of these three things, all right? These three diagrams. Very important because it's going to help me to explain what, I'm, what I need to do. All right? It's one like this. One like this. And one like this. Now, this explains the three kinds of ways that relationships are manifested in an organization like this. All right? The first kind of relationship, or the first kind of way that relationships manifest can be this one, which is called the dependent relationship, where we're dependent, where somebody is completely and totally dependent on other people. All right? The second one is that you are alone. You stand alone. And this one is the interdependent relationship. And guess where God wants us to be, which is the most important? Interdependent. And we're going to go, we're, we're going to look at that now. All right? When you are dependent, when you live in a relationship that is completely dependent, Right? Or when we come to a church like this, and in a church like this, there are only a few people who are standing, and the rest of the people are dependent. Guess what? Our life as a community becomes lopsided. All right? Because all the pressure is on this person. Unfortunately, for many of us in the body of Christ, or many people in the body of Christ or many organizations or churches, this is the most prevalent kind of relationship that is available. All right? Everybody is dependent on a few people, especially the pastors. 
Unfortunately, also, some of the pastors do what? They, they like this. Because it sort of validates them. They think that it is when people are dependent on them that they are able to be relevant. All right? They feel that they cannot be irrelevant, they cannot be relevant until people, everybody is depending on them. Now, any organization that is run like this is not going to survive for long. Any relationship that is run like this, where every other person is reliant or dependent on just one person, there is a problem. Even in a family where there's only one person that stands as a pillar and the other people are all resting on him without anybody contributing anything to the relationship, guess what? That family is going to be under so much severe pressure. All right? Now, let me tell you quickly some of the, uh, some of the things that uh, uh, are very uh, pre prevalent in a relationship like this. Now, number one is that it is a sign of weakness and immaturity. In real life, in real life, there are times that we're going to defend, that we're going to live in a dependent relationship, right? And what are the situations and the under the circumstances? Number one is that you are what? A child. A child cannot do anything but depend and wholly and completely rely on the adult to be able to help them to live life and live it well. Alright? Now, in a church or in an organization like ours, where only a few people or just one person is standing and the other people are resting, it just shows that we are going to raise an immature congregation. Where everybody or most people cannot make decisions for themselves when it comes to the area of decisions. They don't have a sense of responsibility or identity. You know why? Because if, if all you do is rely on somebody, then you're not even tapping into the reality of the things that God has given to you. There are so many things that God has given to you, has embedded in you. There are so many gifts and, uh, and, 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 and calling that God has placed upon your life. That if you only rely on people to be able to bring out the best in you, or to be able to help you do things, guess what's going to happen? You are not going to be able to tap into that thing and that affects how you see yourself. In other words, your identity is cute. Alright, now, this kind of people or this kind of relationship is the one that gives birth to people seeking approval and validation all times. You cannot do anything without being validated. Alright, now, we'll go to the second one. The second one is the alone one, right? You are just alone. You are walking by yourself. You are living by yourself. You are living up to yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I agree with you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And sometimes you have to be alone. The Bible tells us about Jesus Christ, who at some other points and at some times in his life, guess what he did? He will go alone. But it is not in every situation and in every circumstance that you have to seek to be alone. If you seek to be alone, you're not going to go too far. In fact, somebody says something. He said, if you want to go fast, travel alone. But if you want to go far, travel together. Sometimes we outspeed ourselves and we overrun ourselves and we are not able to do the best that we can for God because why? We are standing alone. Everything is dependent and contingent upon ourselves. Me alone and God, we are, we are together. Uh, and we have things like 
uh, one with God is majority, right? I agree with you that one with God is majority. But after a while, you'll find out that God himself is also a trinity. Alright? So, now, what are the characteristics of this kind of relationship? Intimacy is absent. And not just intimacy. Right? Transparency is difficult to come by. People who live alone, or in organizations where everybody is for themselves, there's no intimacy, and there's no transparency. Because everyone wants to be strong for themselves, strong by themselves, and live life for themselves. And that's not the kind of organization that we want to build. That's not the kind of story we want to tell here. We don't want our story to be that of one individual, to be individual strengths, right? But it's, a, it's supposed to be a individual strengths coming together and being compacted together, all right? Another thing that you see here is fatigue. It's very easy to be fatigued. You're not sharing your body. You are not expressing yourself. Nobody is helping you, you are not helping anybody. So you find a congregation that is fatigued, or a relationship that is fatigued. And uh, in the light of that also, uh, you find people, it's difficult for people to rest, all right? Because they are overly driven. You want to succeed. You want to do things by yourself. And in this kind of relationship also, accountability is difficult. It is difficult to, accept, uh, to, uh, to be accountable. And finally, it is difficult to accept limits. People who work by themselves, they feel that they are the be-all and do-all, and then it is difficult for them to accept that there's a limitation to what you can do. I know that God has strengthened you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I know that the grace of God is available for you and all of that. But at the same time, at the same time, there's a limit to what you can do because God has called you specifically and has gifted you with certain things. The Bible even tells us expressly in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says that we know in part. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how great or how deep or how spiritual you are. You are still limited. All right? And that is why we are saying that this kind of relationship, when everybody is very individualistic, when everybody is just uh, so to themselves and looking out for themselves and not looking out for any other person, guess what happens to that kind of a relationship? It is difficult for people to accept limits. And when you cannot accept your limitations, when you don't realize that there are some things you really cannot do well, even if you can do them, if you can do all things, there are certain things you cannot do well. When you refuse to accept that everything, that it's not everything you can do and you cannot do everything well, guess what? It leads to complete mediocrity. The third kind of relationship that we want to look at is... This one, which is the ultimate, which is where God wants us to be. All right? It is that relationship of interdependence. And what is interdependence? Interdependence is just a hybrid of your dependence and your individual relationship. Independence. This is where... Now, let me, let me first tell you. Interdependence. Interdependence does not mean that your individuality goes away. Interdependence does not mean that you lose yourself. Interdependence just means that two strong people who have a strong sense of identity are coming together 
to come and join their energy, their gifts, and everything that God has given them to be able to have an exponential result over and above what each one of them can get. In other words, in the place of interdependence, one plus one is not two, but one plus one is three, is four, is five. Why? Because there's a synergy that is coming together to uh, uh, take what you have, and I take what I have, and we bring it together, and we are able to, uh, 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 to move on with what God wants us uh, to do, all right? And I want to, I, I just want you to look at something real quick, right? Before we go into, uh, before we go into some next uh, steps on the things that are, the qualities that are here concerning uh, interdependence, all right? Now, God wants us to be rich, well, in money. God wants us to be rich in good works. And God wants us to be rich in relationships. For the most part, most of these three can be found here. You can be rich in good works. You can be rich in relationship. You can be rich in relationship with God. You can be rich in your relationship with one another. And then you can be rich in every other area that you need to be rich. All right? And so how does this happen? How does this happen? How does it happen? We'll quickly go through some scriptures. Interdependence happens. And it gets strong. Number one. By us loving one another. And that is John 13, 34 to 35. The Bible says we should love one another. Here, this person has no love for themselves. Neither do they have love for this person. Here, they don't even have anybody they are relying on. They just, they just love themselves. They look out for themselves and all of that. Here, you're not only looking out for yourself, you're looking out for the other person. All right? These are the things that the Bible calls the one another. I call them the one another, one another ring, one another thing. All right? Each other and all of that. So we should love one another or love each other. How are we supposed to love one another and love each other? Guess what? It is the way Christ has loved us. The way Christ has loved us. We need to love one another the way Christ has loved us. And that love of God that we are seeking, that love of God that we are seeking to receive, to get, to express, and to be able to uh, enjoy always happens when we do it with another person. You know why? Because many times, for the most part, and many times, all right, you will not know how much you love God until you find out how much you love others. In other words, the gauge for you to know how much of the love of God is expressed in you is how much you love other people. Number two, the Bible tells us from Ephesians 4.23, it is in this place that kindness 
compassion happen. This person does not, this person that's lying here does not really have kindness to a large extent. He just wants his need met. All right? But this person wants both his need and the other person's need met. All right? So it says, be what? It says, be kind, be compassionate, and above all, forgive one another. This is the place where they say, I'm telling you that spiritual activities happen here. The spiritual activities are better expressed here. It is here that is going to measure and test your growth spiritually. How much you are growing spiritually is not a function of how much of the word of God you know or how much you can quote. Because sometimes we have this sense of, uh, sense of validity and sense of um, uh, safety that because I know the word of God, it means I'm matured. No! The measure of your spiritual maturity is not how much you know, but how much you are expressing. And the only way you can really, really express what you know is in the area of community. times, you know, we are, we are, you know, <laughs> there are some kind of terms that we use in those, you know, in those days when I was a young Christian and all that, you know, we use all kinds of terms to just show how, how, you know, how spiritually, you know, we, we, we call some people wardites, right? We call them wardites. You know what, what that means? Wardite, it means they are so rich in the word of God, but shallow in character. So you are a wardite. If that is your measurement for maturity, you are short in maturity. Because it is not how much you know, it is how much you can express. All right? Number three, look out for one another's interests. Philippians 2 4. The place of maturity is when you are looking out for others, not just for yourself. Here it is impossible. Here it is impossible. This is the only place where it is possible for you to look out for others. Because you know what? God himself is in you. He works in you. All right, number four. Encourage and build one another. You are loaded with the word of God. You have the spirit of God. But how do you express that? It is only in the area of community where what? You can build others up. Here, you cannot, you're not building anybody up. This guy is not building this guy up. This guy is not building this guy up. This guy is alone by themselves. These two guys are alone by themselves. And so there's no interaction. They cannot do what? Build others, you know, themselves up. And the problem of building up and maturity is that, like the Bible says, you know in part. You cannot know everything. There's a limitation to how much you can see the world. You can see everything around you. Even though God himself resides in you. You say, God lives in me. I'm God's habitation. I'm God's dwelling place. But there's a limit to how much of God you can know. And what do I mean by that? Why is that? Because it is so because, number one, you are limited by your understanding. Your own understanding will be a mitigating factor. You are limited by uh, your culture, the kind of things that you know, how you grew up, how you understand things, how you view people, how you look at things, are all limitations of how much you can see God. And that's why sometimes you can only see him from one side. 
And the only other way you can see the other side of the mountain, all right, is sometimes through the eyes of others. Some people see God in front. Some people see God from behind. Some people see God from uh, 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 the sides, right? And they are all correct when they describe God. And a lot of times, it is what you see that becomes your reality, all right? So I can come now and describe Pastor IBK, and I can say, oh, I saw Pastor IBK. He has a mask on. He, I mean, he, he has his hair well cut. He has uh, his shirt. He had no tie on. And the, other, and the other person can see him from the back and say, hey, I saw Pastor IBK in church. He had no mask on. I didn't see any mask. Is he wrong? No, he's not wrong. It's just from the angle from which he's seen Pastor IBK. All right? Somebody can climb the roof and be looking at Pastor Abike from the, from the top and say, oh, Pastor Abike has a very good haircut. Oh, I, and somebody else, another child can come and say, oh, I didn't remember seeing Pastor Abike having a good haircut. Is he lying? No, he's not lying. He's just observing Pastor Abike from the angle from which he's seeing him. And what I'm saying to you today is that we see God from different angles because of our different idiosyncrasies and everything that we are going through and everything that we have gone through and everything that we have seen. All right? We see God differently. And the only way where we can have a complete picture is through the eyes of others. That is why community is very important. Number five. This is a good one. It is only here in community that we can bear one another's burden. We can bear one another's burden. What does that mean? Like I say, life can be uncertain. Life can be unsure. And life can be unpredictable. And at those times, you need some other person to bear your burden. All right? Let me quickly run through the other ones. Uh, number six, it is only in community that we can serve one another. Only in community. That's where service can, can happen. All right? Here, you're not serving anybody. Here, this person at the end of the day is not doing any service to this person. All right? Here, this person is looking all up to himself. But here... It is where we can serve one another. It is where we can serve one another. And then, number seven. Here, we can consider one another. In other words, we are looking to uh, other people's business. It's not just about us alone. Because a lot of times, the problems that we have in the church is that everybody is looking out for themselves. Nobody is looking out for anybody. And so the people... Who are, I mean, there are so many people who are underserved, who cannot be reached, who cannot be contacted, because everybody is looking up to himself. The man here is looking up to himself. This is the kind of guy that will, that will say, okay, oh, nobody has called me. Nobody has said anything to me. Nobody has appreciated me. Nobody has told me how good I'm looking, and therefore I'm leaving the church. But if this is where we dwell, if this is where we are, guess what? We're all looking out for one another. It is not only about myself, it is about others also. And so, I'm able to hear, do unto others as I, want to be done to my, as I want to be done to me. And the final thing I want to say here uh, in all this list, before I round up, is it is here that hospitality happens. We should be hospitable to one another. It is in the area of community that we are hospitable. In other words... We look out for one another. We protect one another. We, we, we don't kill the weak. Instead, we strengthen the weak. We don't stand alone. We stand together. We're looking out for one another. All right? In conclusion, 
want to ask you one question. And that question, I need you to answer it very honestly. All right? Don't, don't, don't answer it to anyone. Answer, it to, answer, answer yourself very honestly. And the question is, how are you traveling? Because life can be allegorically related to traveling. How are you traveling? Based on what we have said, you can travel in three ways. You can be traveling the journey of life in three ways. All right? Number one way you can travel. You can travel, number one, being carried. This person here has been carried. Number two, you can travel alone. Number three, which is the most desirable, is you can travel together. And like I said at the beginning, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. The, the A1, if you are traveling, I mean, if you are being carried when you are traveling, Hebrews 5.12 tells us, he said, for the time when you ought to be matured and be teachers, you still need others to be supporting you and carrying you and moving with you. If you're traveling, I, would, I need us to read this. Proverbs, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18.1 from the MSG. I need us to read this. I need us to read this real quick. Traveling alone. Look at what it said. Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who, I, no, I need MSG, right? Okay. Uh, give me the one you just, give me NLT. Is it NLT? Give me NLT. I think that will, I'm sorry about that. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Unfriendly people. When you are going alone, you are going by yourself, you are unfriendly, and you don't uh, uh, engage in common sense. And the last one is what we're looking, we looking at in togetherness, which is number C. You are traveling together. This helps you to travel fast, to travel far, as far as you can get. In other words, the far here means this is where your potential can be completely and most maximized. All right? You can move from potential to reality, right? Where you begin to get fulfilled in everything that God has called you to do. You are getting fulfilled. You are, you are doing things together. You are living life together. You are working together. We are looking out for ourselves. We are uh, we're embracing one another's weaknesses and strengthening. We are strengthening one another's weaknesses. weaknesses and we are enjoying one another's gift. This is the place. It is this place where we support one another, where we cannot fall alone. Like, like uh, 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 um, uh, King Solomon tells us, that if you fall alone, if you are going and you are alone and you fall, nobody can pick you up. In those days, that talks about traveling. Those things, that particular scripture talks about traveling, right? It's an, I think he has a picture or a mental picture of a traveler in those days. And in those days, traveling was very, very difficult. Traveling was very, very, very treacherous, right? And what happened in those days is that 
people who want to go and do their business and get back home alive and well don't travel alone. They travel together. And because in those days, if you travel alone, you stand the danger of being attacked, one, by bandits, or two, you stand the danger of the hazards of the desert. All right? And so what he was telling them here is that if you travel alone and you fall, somebody can pick you up. If you travel alone and you are attacked, somebody can defend you. And another question I'm going to leave you with as I go to take my seats. Do you have a defender? And who are you defending? God bless you.